Hello and welcome to Euractiv's Agri-Food Podcast. I'm Natasha Foote. And I'm Gerardo Fortuna. And here's your weekly update on all things agriculture and food in the EU from Euractiv's Agri-Food News Team. So we're back for the first podcast of 2022. Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year, Happy New Year. Very uh, exciting new year coming up for us this year, Gerardo. If you say so. Yeah, there's lots going on, lots on the agenda. There's actually, we did the whole podcast the one uh, just before Christmas about everything that was coming up on the 2022 agenda. So if you haven't checked that out yet, you should have a, have a little look. Indeed. So we will not um, come back on the matter anymore. <laughs> no, I'm joking. <laughs> what are your resolutions for 2022, Dash? Oh, my resolutions. Oh, you put me on the spot here. Um, to do more podcasts, more agri reporting. Yeah, this is for our listeners that probably will, will think, ah, it's a podcast, it's all stage. Absolutely not. It's 100% improv. It's like it's like an agri-gem session. Exactly, exactly. I'm also like learning we... to roller skate. That's my other resolution, but it's not ah, to do with that. Okay, it's not to do with okay. agriculture, but it's just just a fun fact for you all. How about you? What about you, Gerardo? Uh Me? Well, uh, for the podcast in particular, as you probably already noticed, I, I like to uh, use a different uh, English accent in every episode. And I'm, <laughs> and I'm starting with the Italian English accent for this <laughs> What a treat. Never heard yeah. that before. Yeah, yeah. There's, I'm there's, really looking forward to next week. Talking about what uh, 2022 uh, will uh, give us... Uh, we'll, uh, we actually started with quite a uh, bang uh, this year because uh, there was a, a very much awaited moment. Uh, actually, it wasn't really a moment. It was, was just like uh, a deadline. Uh, what are we talking about, uh, Natasha? The CAP National Strategic Plans, so the, co- the National Strategic Plans for the Common Agricultural Policy Reform, which were due at the end of last year. Um, did they all make it, Gerardo? That's the question. Two thirds of member states did it, made the deadline. Actually, there's another one um, that came this week uh, from mm-hmm. Lithuania. So now they, they are 19. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still missing eight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, basically, you know, I mean, it. it there was this deadline to um, file these national strategic plans in which all the member states uh, would have uh, listed all their action um, in in uh, their uh, common agricultural policy plans, of course, uh, to fulfill the EU ambition on agriculture, particularly the environmental ambitions. Um, some of them haven't yet uh, filed the national strategic plans. Some of them had some actual problems like for instance Germany uh, there was a new government Um, but yeah it's true that the commission reacted in a certain way to this delay what was the reaction well obviously they you know they weren't happy about this shall we say I mean I can't say that it comes as a surprise that member states missed the deadline because if you remember we reported back in, I think, December, November, that there were a lot of problems that were going on with the plans, that a lot of member states were saying they didn't have enough time. Because um, it's obviously the first time that member states have ever done these plans. And there were a lot of delays. 
different issues. So, so a number of different member states flagged um, even before the deadline that they weren't going to make it. But even with that, of course, the commission um, is not very happy that uh, the member states have missed the deadline. Um, and actually, this is what um, EU Agricultural Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski had to say about the countries that missed the deadline um, in this week's uh, Agri-Committee meeting. Uh, we have 19 uh, strategic plans and uh, we are waiting for, for uh, the rest of the plans. Uh, I sent the letter to the member states who are uh, delayed and uh, and I hope that we will receive as, as, as quick as possible this, the, the, the rest of the plans because it's very important to have the, all the plans at the same time and to um, assess them uh, with the same criteria, with fair criteria, uh, to, to avoid the double standards, etc. Et, et I hope that, that uh, we received as, 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 as quick as possible these uh, this plans. Uh, we had the first meeting of the, uh, with the French presidency this, uh, the, the last week, and uh, their ambitious uh, uh, targets of the French presidency. So, um, Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski used uh, a quite interesting wording here. He said that, uh, uh, that uh, the Commission wants to avoid double standards in assessing. Um, the, the strategic plans. Uh, I don't know what you think about, but I, I think it's it's a bit of a bluff from the commission. Like, uh, uh, like you think they're trying to just get everyone, speed them all up, get get them all in. You mean? I mean, I, I find highly unlikely that the DG Agri will start. Uh, um, um, you know having a look at the plans uh, unless everyone will file it. Mm. I mean, it's, uh, they're probably already assessing. Yeah. Um, it's but just, this kind of line that he needs all of them to have an EU overview. But is, it's a bit of an, it sounds like an excuse to force, because I mean, the commission has no leverage on member states when it comes to meeting the deadline of the strategic plans. There's no mm. such a, a fine or a, or a, um, a procedure, uh, an infringement procedure. Mm. So it's, uh, yeah, it's a deadline, but it's a procedural deadline. There's nothing, hap I mean, nothing will happen to the countries that uh, uh, delivered uh, late. I suppose it depends how long a delay we're talking, though. Because obviously, so this is the start of a bit of a ping pong to and fro um, exchange between the Commission and Member States in the sense of, the commissions now, they'll receive these plans, they'll evaluate them, they'll come back to member states. Member states will then have to make, you know, there'll be recommendations and changes and it'll go back to the commission. So I suppose the main thing is, I mean, if we're talking of a delay of a few days, yeah, you yeah. know, all the EU officials and people that I've spoken to have said, you know, I don't really see an issue of a delay of a few days or even a couple of weeks. But if we're, start, if we're starting to get into, you know, plans are coming in February, March, then, then, you know, we'll see maybe delays later on in the year, which could have like quite a lot of knock-on effects. I remember I was talking to, um, well, various different EU farmers and farmers associations who were all raising this issue that, you know, farmers need to know what's 
coming up in January. It, it, you know, it can't be a last minute thing. It can't be kind of like December 2022. Finally, everyone knows what's going on. Um, so, you know, I suppose that's worst case scenario. But you're right. It's early days. Maybe at the moment it's not it's not too dramatic. And as you said, you know, uh, we expect uh, some kind of ping pong between the member states and the commission. Uh, because again, they're gonna, the commission will assess these plans and then uh, they will send back uh, their feedback uh, on, uh, on uh, in particularly, this is another thing that uh, Wojciechowski stressed during the um, meeting that uh, he had with the MEPs in the Agriculture Committee, in the European Parliament's Agriculture Committee, uh, that uh, they're going to assess uh, in particular, the compliance with the uh, agri-food, uh, uh, the environmental ambition, mm -hmm. uh, so basically the farm-to-fork strategy and the biodiversity strategy. Um, that uh, yeah, so basically, this is these are the main points. It's true again that the Commission doesn't have such a hard power. Uh, but uh, particularly to, to, to speed up the procedure. It's also true that sometimes it might be, uh, I mean, there's some kind of, um, you know, the need for some procedural time. I mean, most of the time, these kind of plans are approved at the regional level. And just to make an example, uh, Belgium has to file two strategic plans, one for uh, of course, of course Flanders, and, yeah, of course, <laughs> one for Flanders and, and uh, for the Flemish region, and one for the uh, Walloon region. Uh, so, Twice the fun. yeah. So, and also we remember that there was an issue with uh, Spain that in the end uh, met the deadline regularly, but there was an issue uh, between uh, the uh, central government and the regional. Um, the regional uh, government, let's say. Uh, mm. So, yeah. Yeah, so I'd say the main message here is that this is really the, you know, stuff heats up for the national strategic plans now. And um, just a little plug, we'll be following everything that happens with the help of all of our different national uh, national offices. Um, we'll be tracking everything that happens on national strategic plans um, on our tracker, which you can find on your activist website, so make sure you watch out for that. And on uh, other news uh, this week, um, mm -hmm. this week actually um, kicked off a bit the agriculture agenda uh, of 2022 because there was the, uh, I already mentioned it, uh, the agriculture, um, the European Parliament Agriculture Committee meeting. There will be the gathering of EU ministers next week, but we're gonna uh, come back to that later on. Uh, there were some interesting points touched uh, on during this uh, this meeting. With the, uh, of course, there was the hearing of Commission Agriculture Commissioner Janusz Wojciechowski, but there are there were some uh other point in the agenda of the meeting uh, like for instance the new uh agreement the, the actually the ongoing negotiations uh with india um for for a new uh, trade agreement with the in indian subcontinent but there was also another uh interesting uh story uh natasha could you tell us a bit more about this story yeah, there was a really interesting debate. I mean, it's not a 
and not a new topic by any means, but it was an interesting debate over wolves and, you know, the coexistence basically of the farming community with, uh, with wolves in the EU. And this is something that's becoming, you know, wolf populations are thriving now in Europe, which is obviously a, a massive success of conservation programs. There's been a big drive to try and um, help wolves. But obviously this has reignited a lot of tensions between the predator and um, EU farmers. And basically MEPs this week, so there was the, the chair of the Agri uh, Committee, Norbert Linz, he actually put forward this um, this draft resolution on the protection of livestock farming um, and wolves, uh, calling for farmers to be able to have the necessary flexibility um, to take action against wolves. And so by that, you know, MEPs were calling basically for wolves to have a lower legal protection status. So currently they are covered by the EU Habitats Directive. And this basically means at the moment that, you know, you can't capture, you can't kill wolves, you can't shoot a wolf um, that threatens you or your livestock. Um, and this was the debate they were having. Should this be revised? Is this the moment that it should be revised? Plenty of voices saying that, yes, this should be um, reconsidered, not just Norbert Linz, but plenty of different MEPs. Um, there were some kind of strong voices in favour, especially from Dutch MEPs, because there's increasing issues um, in the Netherlands, uh, where wolf populations are are increasing. And so it's, it's quite an interesting, I mean, it's as I say, it's kind of an age-old debate, right? It's not the first or last time that we'll talk about coexistence between farming and wolves. And actually, it, it caught my attention because from a personal note, I mean, just before I came to Brussels to start my budding career <laughs> with your active, I remember uh, talking to a far I met a farmer in the, in the Pyrenees who was telling me, you know, you go to Brussels and tell them about the wolves and the issues I have here. So it's really interesting to kind of bring, I had that experience and then so it's, watch. it's more of a mission for you. It's, right? not, it's not a mission. It's just, it's just an interesting, it's interesting to live it, see it, and then also see the, the solutions for it and kind of the debates around it. Um, but obviously as with every issue, it's not, it's not a black and white thing, right? It's an, it's an enormously gray area of how you can coexist with these animals. Um, and actually, I spoke with um, Dutch ecologist Glenn Lellyfelt, who stressed that lowering the status of wolves could actually create more problems than it solves. Um, so here's what he had to say about this issue. We have the same interest in, in solving this issue. And shooting a wolf won't solve your issue in coexistence with the wolf. Um, you have to solve the problem there where it is, and it's already possible. There are a lot of documentation, a lot of research, a lot of policy briefings by the European Commission on how to do this. We actually have to do this. Instead of blaming the wolf that it shows its natural behavior, think about how we can act ourselves and take our own responsibilities in solving this matter. So if you're interested to learn more about this debate on wolves, what was said, all the different sides and perspectives, uh, make sure you go uh, onto your active and check out our article about that. You know, what would be the, the perfect ending of, uh, of this segment? Oh, I can feel a really bad pun coming on. No, 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 no absolutely not. It's, uh, it's more like a special effect. Uh, if we can oh. have some howl in the background. Evie, <laughs> can you put some howl in the background? I'm sure that we have the budget for that. Uh, so. <laughs> Otherwise, I would Technical. I would be I would be already howling. No, no, no. Um, I mean, you can go. You want to howl? You can go for it. No, 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 no. I I, I will spare. Uh, All bark, no bite. Our you listeners. Are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Indeed, <laughs> indeed. That that's me. That's me. <laughs> <laughs>
And we move to uh, another topic uh, this week, um, the geographical indications. Your favorite. Uh, no, it's not my favorite. Or I'm, one of. No, no, no. It happened that I write quite a lot on geographical indication, but uh, uh, it's not like my favorite topic. Yeah. Okay. It's more like it's more a bit of uh, of my expertise on geography. It's again, it's something that was uh, raised uh, during the uh, agriculture committee uh, meeting. Again, uh, we can say that we were among the first to report on these uh, rumors um, spreading in Brussels. So, in a nutshell, there's an ongoing revision of the geographical indication policy, which is expected to be unveiled in the in the first quarter of this year, actually. Uh, what we mean when we use the term uh, geographic indication, I always use the same example of prosciutto di Parma. So oh, only only the pig meat produced in the hills around Parma can legitimately bear the name of prosciutto di Parma. So and the same with champagne, uh, with the grapes uh, grown in in the in the French region. So. It's basically um, a way to protect the names of specific food products uh, in order to promote their unique characteristics uh, linked, of course, with uh, links to their uh, geographical origin and, and particularly the know-how embedded in the region. So the new thing is that the commission is mulling over the possibility to give more powers when it comes to the, um, you know, dealing, dealing with GIs to the EU's Intellectual Property Office, uh, UIPO, uh, which is, a, is, a, is an office uh, of the EU in Alicante, in Spain. Um, and and the, the point is that the EUIPO is already working together with the Commission on the matter. Uh, they examine uh, filings, they organize webinars, conference. Uh, they recently launched this, um, this free online database that aggregates all the registers for geographical indications. Uh, it's called GIView. So they already have a role. And at the same time, GIs, I mean, GIs are a product name, are basically included already in the EU system of intellectual property rights. And uh, and uh, and they protect those names against imitation and misuse. So um, what the hippo is 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 doing is to basically deal with the broad area of intellectual property, which covers trademarks, design, uh, patents, and other types of protection, like again the geographic indication. But the bulk, the bulk of APO work at the moment is uh, trademarks and design. So tra trademarks are the names we use to call products, uh, while the design is it's about the, the shape and the, the external appearance of a product. But the reason why some MEPs are complaining about an increasing uh, role of uh, this uh, office is um, that this move would lean toward a trademark approach. So it's, it's like the French MEP Jan Sander said uh, during the meeting, uh, these are not trademarks, these are different. Uh, they, they consist in the know-how, the, the techniques, and, and most of the time these techniques have been passed down uh, the ages. 
So uh, for the MEPs, they need a different protection and basically they want to keep the, the status quo because for them it's a system uh, that works. Now, the readers of our newsletter may remember that we have we recently interviewed uh, the uh, spokesperson of the EUIPO, uh, Julio Laporta, and of course he didn't comment on rumors, but he said that the, that his office uh, demonstra- have demonstrated that they have the expertise and the capacity um, to to provide the commission technological support when it comes to dealing with uh, with GIV. So, uh, sorry, the geographic indication. So, um, the office is the intellectual property office is ready to have more power, but of course they also uh, this is, this is um, uh, the addition uh, from La Porta. They don't want to be involved in the political aspects of GIs because we know that GIs are highly political. You know the mm. like the project, uh, the the, the project and prosecco oh, thing. But I, the, careful. I I filmed a video explainer on the situation. If you want to know more, a very just, good explainer. You should check it out. Yeah. And uh, but also, I mean, the one of the most political aspects when it comes to the. Uh, when when the EU is negotiating trade agreement with other blocs or with other countries, so um, again, there's a high, there's a big compo- political component in uh, geographic indications. Uh, the EU doesn't want to deal with them with the, with these uh, aspects and want to uh, keep it uh, in the. Uh, safe hands of the of the Giagra in particular. So let's see how this will end. Uh, and yeah, uh, remember that the um, proposal for the com- uh, from the Commission for a revision of the current geographic indication policy is expected uh, first quarter, so before uh, March this year. So that's what's been going on this week. Pretty action-packed, actually. And there's also more fun to come next week, isn't there, Gerardo? Because there is, like, I'll give the game away. There's the first Agri-Fish Council next week under the French presidency. So, uh, so in this, so in the Agri-Fish Council, we can expect basically um, the French Minister for Agriculture and Food, Julien de Normandie, will present the presidency's priorities in the area of agriculture and also fisheries. Um, so you can expect, you know, expect him to talk a lot about reciprocal standards on trade for EU and non-EU products. Which is one of the main uh, priorities indeed. His main, absolutely, the main thing they're pushing on, we're what, talking here like mirror clauses. Remember for the presidency, as you said, the, the mirror clauses in the, in the trade mm. agreement has always been one of the um, uh, most pressing points for, for the French delegation. Absolutely. So you can definitely expect a lot of discussion on that, um, outlining what they hope to achieve over the next six months in terms of um, when it comes to trade. Um, but also he's uh, really big, uh, the big priority on, um, you know, carbon farming, carbon sequestration in soils, big focus on agricultural soils, and also on reducing the use of pesticides in farming, which coincides at a moment when uh, France is actually reconsidering or or considering to reapply for another derogation in the use of neonicotinoid pesticides 
on uh, sugar beet to coat sugar beets, if you remember that actually they had a derogation last year. So that's a kind of an interesting, maybe an interesting timing to be talking about that. Um, and yeah, also, obviously, he will also outline his plan in terms of fisheries. And another topic uh, that will be discussed during the Agri-Fish Council it's, uh, are the continuing uh, issues in the uh, pig meat sector. It was uh, uh, raised uh, even by MEPs during the uh, hearing with the Commissioner Wojciechowski this week. So um, the situation is a bit critical across the EU because it's, um, uh, it's a crisis with... Uh, multiple sources of uh, of uh, uh, problems. Uh, of course, there's the um, African swine fever. Uh, we've recently, uh, Italy recently recorded a case in northern in the northern part of the country, uh, which is quite worrying, of course. And uh, but at the same time, um, another problem is with the. Um, with some member states that are facing uh, lower uh, slaughtering uh, capacity. And of course, the increasing prices of both feed and inputs because of the uh, energy uh, crisis. So uh, the, fi- the, the current situation sees an increase uh, prices below uh, the cost of production for uh, livestock farmers uh, when it comes to pig meat. So this is one thing that will be uh, that is quite high on the agenda of this uh, uh, of next week agrifish uh, council. Um, but another point in the uh, agenda of uh, next week is dealing with animal welfare because there's a much awaited. Um, final vote on uh, the report drafted by the MEPs in the special committee, the Ant special committee on uh, live transport of animals. Uh, they already adopted the report in December, right? And um, and now the this report uh, will be um, will be voted by the whole plenary. The in Strasbourg uh, next week. So that's all from us this week. And this week, like every week, the Euractive Agri-Food podcast was put together by Euractive's Agri-Food news team. That's Gerardia Fortuna and Natasha Foote, with the technical support of our podcast producer, Evie Chiori. You can also find this podcast on all major streaming platforms. That includes Amazon, Apple, Spotify and Stitcher. And be sure to subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss the latest agricultural news from the EU. I'm Gerardo Fortuna. Thanks for listening and see you next week. Mm-hmm.